So you know those earrings I was really excited for? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so upset. So oh, I no. ordered them mm-hmm. from Poppy and Puddin' Crafts on Etsy. Okay. And I was super excited because I'm just going to tell you what they are now because it was supposed to be a surprise, but they were blobfish. <laughs> just like... <laughs> gross little looking like lips and and it was like laser cut and very cute and i bought them because they made me cackle when i saw them i was like these are the best as they would yeah shipping was great it came real fast Mm -hmm. but i put in the wrong address and i went to one of my neighbors guess which neighbor (gasps) the great the ones the ones that just got yeah swat teamed yeah the ones that the SWAT team just came to, like, last month, and there's been one car coming in and out of it, but we don't see who that person is, so it's just, like, a mystery house on our street. Oh, sketchy. And I know for a goddamn fact that I'm never getting those earrings. Oh, <laughs> I'm no. so sad. You could just real cash, like, go knock on the door and see if anybody answers. Oh, but I'm so scared. I was the first just night- make the whole house go with you. <laughs> Well, I left a note on their door. I uh-huh. was like, sorry, I might have had a package shipped to you. Please put it either in our el- in our mailbox or on our porch. Mm-hmm. The note's gone, and the car has since left and come back. But I have not gotten my package. Damn it! So I'm like, okay, well, now I'm just not getting my earrings. And I was upstairs in my room, and it's that time of the month where I'm feeling things just a little more deeply. Sure. And <laughs> was upstairs talking mad shit. I was like, they... <laughs> Fucking are stealing motor allegedly stealing motorcycles, keeping them in their house. Now they have my blob earrings. What are they even gonna do with those? <laughs> and now I'm just fully prepared that if I ever see the person walking out of the house and they're wearing my earrings, I'm going to confront them. Oh my gosh, just be like, "Hi, you're welcome. I bought those on Etsy. Oh, those look great. How fun and unique. Those are mine. My blobfish." <sighs> I'm yeah. I'm really sorry about your pupfish earrings. It's okay. I might I might order some more because she she's the poppy and pudding uh-huh. sent me a discount code for my next order. Oh, and so nice. now I might buy oxalotl earrings. You know those little like salamanders. With yeah, the horns. yeah. I have a friend who has oxalotls, and they oh. actually had babies. They had so for a while they had like twenty five oxalotls. Oh my god! And then that's yeah. too many oxalotls. <laughs> it sure is. But, you know, shout out to Ricky and Aaron, <laughs> who live in Florida, and I love them very much, but they have a menagerie of animals, and it makes me so happy. That's, that's what I want to be. Me too, but Danny won't let me. <laughs> oh, hello! Oh, hello! Hi! And welcome to that Broad Scott Moxie. I'm Kiana. I'm Cassie. And it's uh, Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. We're... We're jamming. Yeah. I'm still <laughs> distraught about my earrings. I'm still distraught about earrings. I'm going to have to Google a blobfish because I bet it's real funny looking. Oh, I bet it's even hilarious there's when a... they're laser cut. <laughs> there's a commercial, um, and I don't know what it is, but it's like a joke that there's a blobfish as a like security animal, or what are those called? Oh, like a, um, like a service animal, right? But when it's for emotions. Like an emotional... Support animal? Yeah. So there's a commercial where uh, on a plane, there's a man has a blobfish as a support animal on his lap. That's hilarious. It's, it's a gross looking thing, but so cute. That's hysterical. Also, Danny just held up a little 
sign that says Kate McKinnon was a blobfish on SNL. And I remember that skit. It was very funny. <laughs> and just to think about him all the time now. The blobfish. Yeah. You, would you want me to frame a picture of a blobfish? And put it we up. can yeah we can <laughs> hang it in the in the podcast room. It might just remind me of all my pain. He'll <laughs> <laughs> bring up a lot of a lot of yeah. hard hard I'll memories. Think, of, think about how they're not in my ears, like I so desperately want. I think I've told Kiana every day this week how much I like her earrings. Yeah. <laughs> like, have I told you that I really like those? She's like, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, this is I've decided is the era of Kiana wearing statement earrings. They're real cute. I like yeah. them. It would have been really cool if I had uh, blobfish. Damn blobfish. Yeah. So who's going first today? I am. Before we start. What's up? I just wanted to let our listeners know. So there's a poet named Kai Davis. Mm. And she's a black woman who has released a poem inspired by Sojourner Truth's Ain't I a Woman oh. speech. But it's uh, like more up to date and more... Like, Applic- relevant? Yeah, applicable, relevant. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's just called Ain't I. Oh. And you can look it up. Perfect. Okay. Who wrote it again? Kai Davis. Kai so Davis. K-A-I space Davis. Okay. I listened I'm to it. absolutely going to go listen to that. It's very good. Ooh, I bet. Ooh. Yeah. Also, we have a correction. Our Twitter <laughs> is not that broad Scott Moxie. It's just Broad's Got Moxie. Because to tell you, I've been trying to follow us on Twitter. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on here? Why can't I find this? So, it was it was too many characters, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. That's my bad. In time. <laughs> that's, that's all on Kiana. I'm taking no responsibility. Yeah, that's for just any of me. this. <laughs> so, yeah. Twitter is Broad's, Broad's Got, Got Moxie. Moxie. All right. Anything else that we need to discuss? This is episode six, mm-hmm. so I think we're getting getting into our groove. Mm-hmm. I thought about this in the car. Tell me. I just wanted to say something about privilege to our listeners. Yes. Because it's taken at face value is sometimes difficult to come to terms with, mm-hmm. but I feel like going forth, we should address what we mean when we say privilege or we talk about certain groups of people being treated uh, nicer than other groups of people. Mm. And to say that somebody has privilege is not saying that they do not struggle in their life. Exactly. And uh, a lot of times it has to do with an, an individual identity and does not necessarily characterize the quality of that person's life, but it does quantify that that person does not have to struggle because of that specific thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, white privilege. It's not saying that white people don't have hard lives. It's saying that they will not struggle because of the fact that they're white. Exactly. And there That's are... That's beautifully said. Thank you. And there are there are other types of privileges mm-hmm. as well. So, like, I'm a non-white woman. Mm-hmm. So, in those terms, I am not privileged. But I am able-bodied. I am cisgendered. And those are privileges that I have that I don't have to think about, but should think about for the sake of allyship and ad- advocacy. Absolutely. And I think that other people should as well. That, uh, yay. Oh, thank you. Golf claps, golf claps. Thank because you. that we actually, so we went and had dinner last night and uh, I got a couple of leg squeezes under the table when I got a little impassioned and a little loud. <laughs> Talking about 
at talking about privilege. Mm-hmm. And boy, howdy, when I'm passionate, so passionate about something and I get going and and trying to talk about it, mm-hmm. sometimes I, I get real defensive and yeah. can get a little loud. Mm-hmm. Scorpio, guys. I apologize. <laughs> I have to deal with it. She does. You being She has Scorpio. to deal with both of us. Because <laughs> Danny and I are both Scorpios. Yeah. But yeah, it's this idea of like, I know what I want to say, mm-hmm. but sometimes it just doesn't come out as eloquently as I want it to. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, that was real good. I yeah. appreciate, I think we all appreciate that. We all know what we're talking about now. We're mm-hmm. all on the same page so as to carry on with the knowledge of, okay, this is what they mean when they're talking about this. Yeah. And I thought it would be important, like, going on in the future as we cover more different types of minorities. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this is a tricky... <laughs> yeah. This is a tricky <laughs> thing to navigate through sometimes, making sure that we're... Not Making offending. note of these things of, and not offending people. That's absolutely not what we want to do. Yeah. We just want people to giggle along to our nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> Respectfully giggle. Respectfully giggle. Okay. So my, my turn. Yes. Now I'm ready to. Now we're ready. Roll forth. So I'm going to talk about Dr. Susan LaFleche Picotti, who was the first Native American in the United States to receive a medical degree. Yes. So I, I'm from South Dakota. So this has been something that I grew up with and I was, I've always been really interested in it. And so when I Googled it the other day, she was one of the names that came up and I was like, oh, we're talking about her. So yeah, here we go. So Susan LaFleche uh, was born in June, 1865 on the Omaha reservation in Eastern Nebraska. Uh, so June, 1865 is right around we're getting, we're either done with the Civil War or it's wrapping up. Okay. So just to put us in, in a time period. Her father, Chief L- Joseph LaFleche, was also called Chief Iron Eye, was of Ponca and French-Canadian ancestry. And her mother, Mary Gale, was the daughter of a white army surgeon and a woman of mixed Omaha, Otto, Iowa heritage. So both of her parents are biracial. One white parent one Native American, but they both identified as Omaha Mm -hmm. with, with that tribe. So her father was very much for assimilation. And he often said it is either civilization or extermination. I have, (laughs) please. So in, um, in my final years of studying in in college, Mm -hmm. as I did, um, I really started focusing more on indigenous rights mm-hmm. all across the world because I'm Islander and Islander and indigenous rights mm-hmm. kind of go hand in hand. But there was a really good quote in terms of talking about indigenous people and I'm forgetting where it's from, but it was like the white man stole my identity and half my race, but also taught me how to save it in terms. Cause like mm-hmm. you forced me to learn your culture and now using your culture, mm-hmm. I'm saving my culture and getting like reparations whether it be symbolic or actual. Yes. For your bullshit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I also just want to note the, like, bravery of people who did sort of negotiate some of their cultural points. And, like, bravery mm-hmm. and pride in terms of letting their children survive to mm-hmm. the next era. Absolutely. And, like, that's, like, what happened with, like, Trail of Tears and 
mm-hmm. every every other land grab, mm-hmm. they moved because they wanted to stay uh, culture. Exactly. And yeah, that's yes. just what I have to Perfect. Do. Yes. And that is, that's very much something that Dr. Susan dealt with mm-hmm. in her life. So the, the, her father's views of like, we have, we have to do this or we will be no more. Mm-hmm. So it split the tribe into, essentially it was called, like, the Young Men's Party and then the Chief's Party. Um, The Chief's Party were really, really loyal to tradition. So the Young Men's Party built log cabins and put down roads and farmed, like, their small parcels of land. And the conservative group nicknamed them the Village of the Make-Believe White Men. Oh, <laughs> so that, uh, we're going to continue doing things the way we've always done them. Mm-hmm. But if you want to go pretend to be part of this white man civilization, mm-hmm. you go ahead. So Susan grew up in this like dichotomy of like trying to live in both worlds, mm-hmm. which, you know, throughout her life was was something that was a challenge to her. But she very much enjoyed it. Uh, so she was the youngest of four girls. Suzette, Rosalie, and Marguerite uh, were her older sisters. And then she had a half-brother named Francis. Uh, During her early childhood, she learned the traditions of her heritage. But uh, her parents felt that certain Native American rituals would be detrimental to her future. So they were like, we're not going to give you an Omaha name. Mm -hmm. Like, you will have this white name. Yeah. And she didn't, they, uh, her, their tribe did like traditional tattoos mm-hmm. on, um, the forehead. So she never got those. Yeah. So that was one of the things she was like, but this is also who I am. Mm-hmm. But I guess I get it because, you know, these things are very much going to separate us and them. And yeah. we need to be able to blend. So she spoke, Omaha with her parents because her mom refused to speak anything else. Like she could understand. I think she could understand both French and English, mm-hmm. but she was like, I'm not going to condescend to, to speak that to you. I will speak my own language. Thank you very much. Um, but that's uh, great. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like way to put your foot down and I'm, I'm not going to budge on this issue. Mm-hmm. I, I'll do all these other things, but if you want to speak to me, <laughs> you best being a translator. <laughs> She's, but she spoke English. Susan spoke English with her sisters again in this attempt to move forward into this, you know, white civilization. Mm-hmm. And she also enjoyed learning to paint, and she played piano, hmm. like all nice little Victorian girls did. Oh yeah, <laughs> I keep keep forgetting the era, time era that I we're. I know, in. I know. It's okay, okay. So as a little girl, this is a sad story, she watched a woman from her tribe mm-hmm. die. Like, she was helping to take care of her and, like, sitting bedside with her. And they sent for the doctor and sent for the doctor and sent for the doctor, who was a, a white man. Mm-hmm. And he just never showed up. Yeah. And so that was, like, later in life, she credited wanting to become a physician. Mm-hmm. To, to this instance where she was like, I am not going to sit by and watch this happen to anyone else. Yeah. So, 
quick side note. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of side notes. I got a lot of asterisks in this. I would just like to point out, after having a very good conversation with a friend of mine, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to demonize by any means mm-hmm. the quote unquote heterosexual white male, mm-hmm. and I'm not laying blanket terms. However. In the context of history in Susan's story, unfortunately, the white man is is the bad guy in her story. Mm-hmm. And in, unfortunately, in a lot of American history, when it comes, especially when it comes to indigenous people, mm-hmm. that is the story. So I'm not saying they're always the problem worldwide all the time that that is not the case but in this story <laughs> in this story she's getting shit on by the white man yeah <laughs> it yeah historically it's it's proven that the people who hold power which were white folks yeah and it does ex- extend to white women as well absolutely they had and continue to in some aspects whether it be intentional or unintentional mm-hmm. due to lack of understanding of customs or um, biases that we hold that we don't know that we hold. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just the, a fact. It just happens. Yeah. Whether we want it to or not, white people have been a problem the worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true fact. History yeah. tells us this. Yeah. Where was I? Okay. Moving right along. So, Susan began her education at the mission school on the reservation. She's taught by Presbyterians and then I think by Quakers. Again, lots of white people coming in going, Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach you about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah. If you... There's... there's, I don't know the name of the documentary. There's a real sad documentary about the schools that Native American children had to go to. Oh, yeah. That were run by, specifically this in this instance... A documentary Catholic, uh-huh. the Catholic Church. Okay, and it's like they were forced to bathe in, if I'm not mistaken, lye Ooh. to lighten their skin. Oh my goodness! Um, there were instances of like sexual abuse. There Ugh. were instances of being beaten for not speaking English. Uh huh. One of the strategies that colonists often used mm-hmm. w- was to take away the language because for people who speak multiple languages there's not always a cultural translation when going uh-huh. back and forth sure so by destroying the language you're having a hand in destroying that culture mm-hmm. entirely and so that's what these missionary schools were meant to do Ooh. because it was assimilation yeah oh that's some real bullshit yeah so yeah so basically these omaha children were were taught how to be brought up in the white world. So the documentary is called Unspoken America's Native American Boarding Schools. Okay. I'll have to watch that. Ugh. It'll break my heart, I'm sure. From a place of privilege, uh-huh. I was I was born in America. Mm-hmm. And in my studies of indigenous groups, the amount of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> the sheer mountain of it. The sheer mountain of it and what tribes have to go through, even today. Mm-hmm. Like, the last thing I can remember that I'm reading about of mm-hmm. trying to disenfranchise Native Americans was in the last election when, for a whole reservation, there was, like, one voting machine 
and then they passed a law like a like a month or something before mm-hmm. voting was to take place and it was like if you don't have an address you can't vote yeah. and on reservations on a lot of reservations mm-hmm. they don't have house numbers yeah in the way that we do because it's unnecessary oh and so no. they would not have been able to vote but there there was a push from uh non-profit groups to like file paperwork right away and they just sort of stuck numbers into places <laughs> <laughs> they're like this plot of land yeah that's five that's five and so they were 27 able, they mm-hmm. were able to vote but thank goodness but it, that's like it's 2019 it's 2019 and like native american police officers can't arrest non-native people i'm sorry the only thing they can do is give speeding tickets what? Yeah. So if you commit a crime on a reservation, <gasps> you have it has to go to it has to go to an American, a federal precinct. Oh my gosh. And because Native American land is in such rural areas mm-hmm. and precincts of the rural town, rural, I hate that word. <laughs> rural. Rural. <laughs> but the precincts in those towns are underfunded as well. Yeah. So it's like they there can't be justice had yeah in terms of like the number one thing is sexual assault yeah yeah and i think it's actually a really big problem in north dakota where they recently had the oil boom yes because they migrated workers there who then lived on a reservation and if they committed sexual assault Mm -hmm. it could not be it couldn't be justice is not being served in these places yeah because there are four million hoops to jump through yeah to try and make shit happen yeah oh boy howdy yeah (laughs) if i didn't have enough things to be angry about (laughs) it's there's oh boy oh boy don't get me started on reagan (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i'm sorry to like steal no please but this is important um there was also a period in american history where it was just they started making it illegal to be Native American, and this was in the, like, I think oh, 50s. Oh, my gosh. Like, too recent for it to be, like, acceptable. Uh, absolutely. Acceptable. It would have never <laughs> been acceptable. Too recent for it to be uh, understood as a historical thing. Yes, absolutely. Um, But I think Oregon specifically lost a lot of land because they were like... Yeah. And it was it was real, real shady of the government. Uh, Surprise, Uh, surprise. (laughs) Because they were like, okay, it's, this is no longer, we don't have reservations. Mm -hmm. This is canceled. You're, you're American now. You're not Native American. You don't get the certain, Um, like, scholarships. Yeah. And and stuff Mm -hmm. that you're given as a form of reparations. Uh Uh-huh. And, um, and they, oh, real, (laughs) okay, real shadily, they were like, this is no longer a thing. Oh, this land is for sale now. (gasps) But because a lot of oh Native Americans gosh. who had the collective ownership of the land mm-hmm. couldn't, could no longer afford to buy that land as an individual, mm-hmm. it was, like, sold off. Boy, howdy. Yeah. If specifically look into the Confederate, Confederated Tribes of the Grand Ronde okay. in Oregon, uh-huh. and they have been working with the, uh, Oregon State University mm-hmm. in recovering their history and, like, getting it down on paper and stuff. Oh. I think I've been to one. I think I've been to um, a powwow. I think Danny and I went to a powwow. That was... That was... <laughs> Danny shaking her head. <laughs> no, I think we went with a couple friends of ours. And I think it was that particular... Um, They're on the Oregon coast. Yeah, yeah. You think it was your other girlfriend? 
because it wasn't me. <laughs> Maybe I went with myself. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry to hijack. That's, <laughs> that's totally fine. Sorry to colonize your no. story length <laughs> and make it mine. You're such a <laughs> My white half is coming out. It's, it's just stomping everything down. Oh, uh, man. Where, okay, where was I? So sorry. Oh. Uh, mission school. So oh, she yeah. went to the, sc- the the school on the reservation, mm-hmm. um, and then she was sent to the Elizabeth Institute for Young Girls. I think it's in New Jersey to learn how again to be a proper Victorian lady. Mm-hmm. When she came back, she taught very briefly at the school and then headed to the Hampton Institute in Virginia, which is historically a black college. Okay. But they then allowed other minorities. minorities in. And she so she graduated in 1886. And as a, despite being encouraged to become a good Christian wife and mother, <laughs> she decided to apply to medical school instead. So she applied to the Women's Medical College of Pennsylvania, which is the first medical school in the country that was established for women. Oh. So there's other liberal arts colleges for Mm -hmm. women, but this was the first one that was like, we're going to make doctors out of you. I was like, that's awesome. Damn. Right? Uh, She was the first, she was also the first person to receive federal aid for her professional education. So, up until now, the the people going to colleges mm-hmm. are being funded by trust funds or parents or working to earn their own money. Mm-hmm. But she went to the Connecticut Indian Association basically for their sponsorship yeah. and said, this... This is who I am. This is what I want to do. I want to become a doctor so that I can treat the people in in my home. Mm-hmm. And so they granted her scholarships and they paid for her school expenses, housing, books, and supplies. I was like, God damn. They, <laughs> as they should have. <laughs> as they should have. And it's I I just find it kind of funny, like as the first person to receive any kind of federal aid, mm-hmm. she she had to present to them her story and what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like 2019, everyone that I know is in some kind of, you know, school debt. <laughs> Danny just paid hers off after 10 years, which was exciting. But you and me are both. I'm never going to experience <laughs> that. <laughs> What's it like to not be in debt? I don't know. I don't know. Who does? I made the bold choice to go to a school in London, and now I'm going to be in debt forever. Forever. I say that with a (laughs) smile, but inside I am dead. (laughs) Cold heart dead. But Uh, hey, I got a piece of paper that says I'm smart. And you are. You, I constantly am like, guys... Kiana is so smart. I tell my mom all the time how smart you are. (laughs) Thank you so much. You're so welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
Remember in episode three when I said land conversation and not confiscation? Yes, you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) This is, guys, I would just like to point out, this is the first time we've recorded with no cocktails. Yeah. (laughs) It is 1030 on a Saturday morning and we were just not really up to it. Right. (laughs) So we're a little, we're saying words today. Yeah. We're saying some serious shit. We are. Today. We're not even like a page through your no, story. No, we're not. We're like we're oh, like six recording. paragraphs in. <laughs> okay, bringing it back in. Oh, I did. I mentioned. So they paid for her. They paid for her to go to school and all of that. But they asked her to stay single during her time at middle school. At middle school. <laughs> She's in junior high. <laughs> in junior high. Don't get a boyfriend. Um, so while she was in medical school and for a couple years afterwards, because mm-hmm. they were like, we just really want you to focus on your practice. They- so just don't date anybody. AKA, they wanted to make sure their investment followed exactly. through. <laughs> they and were she like- didn't put a bun in the <laughs> oven. <laughs> we want no buns while you are trying to become a doctor. We only want you to help people with buns and ovens. Exactly. You get a bun in that oven, we're going to be mad, <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> very, we might take your books away. <gasps> How dare they? Right? Um, so after, <clears throat> excuse me, after a rigorous three-year program, her medical schooling was only three years, which is... Wild. I mean, it's the 1800s. It is 1800s, guys. Did, did they just have to, like, cut people open and let them bleed? I guess. <laughs> That's delivered, what they learned. Delivered some babies, dished out cocaine, and some morphine <laughs> for people to feel better. You have a slight cough? Here's some opioids. <laughs> Smoke it. It'll be good. It's good for you. Um, so in a speech, um, she she was a valedictorian of her class. And in a speech she gave at her graduation, she said, We who are educated have to be pioneers of Indian civilization. The white people have reached a high standard of civilization, but how many years has it taken them? We are only beginning, so do not try to put us down. Help us to climb higher. Give us a chance. And I was like, oh, wow. That was like, I just I just now got the goosebumps. <laughs> She's she's striving so hard to make something of herself, but Mm -hmm. also to raise up her community, her community to to say, you know what? All these white people have this, but we can, too. Yeah. Let's do this. And I loved it. Yeah. Hell yeah. So she stayed in Philadelphia after graduation uh, for a year to do her internship. And the time that she spent in the big city was, her life was very fun, but contradictory. Mm -hmm. So in a letter she wrote to her sister, she was telling her about getting fitted for this gorgeous dress that made her a lady of fashion. She was like, oh, I'm real bougie. I'm feeling myself. Get those high collars, girl. No ankles in sight. Mm, oh, gosh. She's like, you can't even see this ankle. Mm-mm. Too bad. It's a juicy one. It's a juicy ankle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she, so 
she got fitted for this, you know, super fashionable dress, mm-hmm. but then, like, a couple sentences later said how much she desperately wanted a pair of moccasins. Oh. She's dealing with this, like, duality of, I want to be this, but I also want to be this, and I need, I want to make them both work. Um, Can I just say about moccasins? Please do. If you're going to buy moccasins, buy it from, like, a Native American retailer. Absolutely. Or on, like, Etsy. Like, yeah. seek out... Native American Native creators. American creators. Yeah. That's a great idea. Stop buying them from Target. That's not a... That's not They're an not at, real. That's not an at at you. That's everybody in my high school, including me, I will say. <laughs> I was young and dumb. <laughs> Danny just tried to shade me because I said back in high school when I was young and dumb, and she said five years ago. Isn't that accurate? It's accurate. <laughs> But I've grown a lot since then. She has. We got a real grown up on our hands, I, ladies and I'm gentlemen. A grown up. I've also calmed the fuck down. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. There are there are times when we're hanging out or doing something that I'm like, God, Kiana is making me relive my early twenties, and <laughs> things are getting wild. <laughs> more more to come on that. <laughs> so after living in Philadelphia for a year. She then returned to the reservation in, in Nebraska. It should be noted that as a woman mm-hmm. in this time period, so it is 18, let's see, she graduated in 1889. Okay. So it should be noted that as a woman in 1889, she could not vote. Mm-hmm. But also, as a Native American, she could not call herself a citizen mm-hmm. under American law. Yep. So she's like... I'm a doctor, <laughs> but um, apparently I'm not this or that or the other thing, which is, I can't even imagine how frustrating that was. None of the challenges, none of these, those, none of those things could have prepared her for what she encountered upon returning on the reservation. So as soon as she opened the doors to her new office, mm-hmm. tribe members just flooded in. They're like, oh my gosh. Not only do we have a new doctor, mm-hmm. but she's one of us. Yeah. And they were thrilled. Um, unfortunately, many of them were sick with cholera, tuberculosis, uh, influenza, or dysentery. Yeah. Bad times. Yeah. The All of these things were wreaking havoc all over the Omaha Reservation. <laughs> She not only saw patients in her office, but she also made house calls. And as we can bring it back, she's in Nebraska. Don't know if anybody knows this. Nebraska can get some pretty shit weather. (laughs) And is often in the winter under feet of snow. So hell. (laughs) Oh, it's the worst. I tell you. Everybody says that hell's real hot. It's not. It's It's real cold. It's got icy roads. (laughs) And eight foot snow drifts. It's called Been there, done Nebraska. that. Nebraska. <laughs> it's called the Midwest. Can we just let's put a big parenthesis around Midwest because Nebraska's shit, but also North Dakota and South Dakota <laughs> and Minnesota and Iowa. They're all terrible and covered with snow for at least four months out of the year. Yeah. My friend from Wisconsin has been mm-hmm. had been messaging me about the Polar vortex. (laughs) Vortex. The polar vortex. And I was like, boy, oh boy, am I glad to be (laughs) on the West Coast and experience 
temperate climates. <laughs> Thank goodness. My mom, I was just talking to her the other day. She's like, well, I backed out of the driveway and then my car got stuck. <laughs> so I had to pull back in after digging the car out and wait for someone to come and plow all the snow out of the road. I was like, ooh. That's... What's it like to have snow plows? <laughs> it's great when they do some work. Portland doesn't have snow plows. That's what that we, joke is. We have like three. We have three for a big ass city. <laughs> for an enormous city that is literally busting at the seams. Yeah. Yeah. So she she off she made house calls. She mm-hmm. always did house calls. Um and she sometimes had to walk through giant blizzards to treat her patients. Uh, they were so impressed by her education and compassion uh, that she quickly became more than just their doctor. So while working in her office, she would often do other work. She would translate things, mm. um, help get people, you know, get their paper situated for things and helped a lot of people navigate the, the changing world around them. Yeah. So, uh, so many of, of her patients, of, of the sick people coming to her office, insisted on seeing Dr. Susan. So her, her white counterpart, the mm-hmm. doctor she worked with, basically got tired of it and then was like, I'm done. Goodbye. Aww. And just peaced out. So she was, um, she was left as the only physician on the reservation that's nearly 1,400 square miles. That's big that's big (laughs) that's big as a doctor she was paid only five hundred dollars a year what's that inflation calculator not fucking enough okay (laughs) i guess for that many patients Um, in that big of an area yeah i i put surprise surprise (laughs) uh it was it's about 10 times less than an army or a oh. navy doctor. Oh. Oh. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a thing. So it's, not only is it a pittance, mm-hmm. but it's also so significantly less than other doctors that, you know, would potentially be around. In 1894, Susan LaFleche married Henry Picotti, uh, who was a Sioux tribesman from South Dakota. And the couple raised two sons named Carl and Pierre. And I have to side note because it made me laugh. So Pierre mm-hmm. is the capital of South Dakota. Oh. But it's spelled Pierre. It's Pierre, but people in South Dakota call it Pierre. Oh. And when you say it wrong, they get real offended, which I think is really funny because I do it now. <laughs> but I think it's kind of like like when people say Oregon. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> or or Nevada <laughs> and Nevada. That, that irks Danny real bad. <laughs> She's like, it's Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> So the family settled in Bancroft, Nebraska, and she set up her a private practice mm-hmm. that served both tribal and white patients. Unfortunately, Henry was an alcoholic, which is mm-hmm. it's a huge problem then and now, mm-hmm. um, which meant that Susan had to care for him while also being a doctor and taking care of a household and raising two children. Mm-hmm. She's... Superwoman. She she did everything. She is the caretaker. She is the character of caretaker. 
What did I say? Character. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I said sound about carrots for a second. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yes, she is the caretaker of everyone. Everyone around her. Which is a, a problem because that was often at her, a, a toll on herself. Mm-hmm. And she struggled with health problems her whole life. So Henry died of tuberculosis in 1905, uh, which was greatly exacerbated by his alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And she became determined to eliminate the sale of alcohol on reservation lands. In 1906, she led a delegation to Washington, D.C. to lobby for the prohibition of alcohol on Indian lands. Hmm. She is like... I just lost my husband to this. This is some real bullshit. It's a huge problem. We need to make this stop. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this, oh, this is, we're getting good. So this effort led her to fight for other causes and attracted some controversy. <laughs> what is it? Oh, it's good. So she supported a new Native American religious movement, the peyote religion. Mm. Um, which is, for those of you who don't know, it's a pro-temperance Christian denomination that sought to introduce the hallucinogenic drug peyote into Native American spiritual traditions. So she's like, we need to get the alcohol out, bring the hallucinogenics in, let's get spiritual. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which sounds really Interesting, but also a little scary. Mm-hmm. And they, um, they, re- native native religions who that use hallucinogenics mm-hmm. are very responsible. It's not absolutely. Like- it's they're not going to Coachella <laughs> <laughs> doing peyote. They're having like traditional spiritual things mm-hmm. that they're in, doing in a safe environment. In a safe, and, and they know what they're doing. They're not just dropping acid and getting wild. <laughs> so, but her her white medical colleagues were like, um, no. <laughs> okay. Okay, colleagues that prescribe opioids. Right? Mm, there's cocaine in your soda pop. Maybe peyote for some spiritual traditions could be okay. Yeah. Those colleagues were wrong. Cut Back to 2019, off. where we have an enormous opioid problem in the United States. Yeah. Thanks, Big Pharma. Thanks. <laughs> we are just taking down everybody in this. Just <laughs> knocking them down one after another. <laughs> so she became an activist for the tribal people's legal status and citizenship. And also fought against land fraud. Because they were, it was being taken from, you know, inheritances and sold off. And she was like, um, my, like, we're smart, Mm -hmm. but your legal jargon is not only confusing, but, uh, illegal. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it also is, this is an issue currently when trying to rule on Native American cases, is that it's entirely, almost entirely unregulated Mm -hmm. and is on a judge-by-judge basis. And obviously, like, Mm -hmm. state-by-state. It's... I I tried to write a paper on it Mm -hmm. and got super confused and just sort of, like, 
cut that out. <laughs> right? I just mentioned, I in the paper, I was like, it's on a case-by-case basis and um, real difficult and kind of dumb. I didn't say <laughs> it, it more. I said it in a more academic tone. Oh, like, a little more eloquently than, this is bad and stupid, let's not do this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, she also duked it out with the office. <laughs> yeah, fist, she got into fisticuffs. Not really. Oh. Maybe. I hope so. But she got into it with the Office of Indian Affairs over land allotment and her husband's inheritance. So basically, when her husband died... Mm-hmm the land technically went to her children, mm-hmm. not to her because she couldn't own land. Yeah. But she had to go to these people and say, prove essentially mm-hmm. that she was smart enough and competent enough to handle the, the, the inner workings of land and inheritance to these people before they would turn it over to her and her children mm-hmm. instead of, the, you know, legal guardian or whatever of the boys. It's very confusing, but also she won <laughs> twice. <laughs> she she went to, to court over this twice and won both times. Damn right. She pushed for modern hygiene and disease prevention, and this is going to be a giant trigger for Danny. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and she spearheaded efforts to educate, to educate people about public health. Yeah. Um... Thank God, because up until these pioneers were like, hey, you know the flu and tuberculosis and things that are killing people? Mm-hmm. Um, these are the way they're, tr- they're transmitted. So when you're going to sneeze or cough, like, do it into your elbow. <laughs> not, <laughs> not out into... Danny is... She's giving us an in-flight demonstration. <laughs> Of how, of how to cough because it's something that I am super conscientious about and mm-hmm. because Danny is super conscientious about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, I noticed this and when I was reading it, I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> um, this is nothing to do. It has everything to do with covering your mouth. Mm-hmm. If this is a, this is a PSA for everybody. PSA. Mm-hmm. If you see me sneeze. Mm-hmm. Don't say bless you because I'm doing I'm doing it into my elbow. Mm-hmm. You have to say to me sick dab, sick dab. <laughs> <laughs> I will try to remember that because I think it's so funny, <laughs> and I think it should take over bless you. Yes, because oh. it's a non a non religious way to say I acknowledge your sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. I'm gonna put that on the Instagram and just take a picture of you sneezing and then just put hashtag sick dab. Yeah. It'll be great. I got that from one of my coworkers when I was at Starbucks. <laughs> and it shook me to my very core because I sneezed and he was like, hey, sick dab. And I was like, what? What? I sneezed. <laughs> and then and then it slowly got to me and I was like, oh man, this is oh, the only way I want to be addressed. Classic. Let's see. I also put she so she was, you know. Coughing and sneezing into your elbow, and also wash your fucking dirty paws, <laughs> because everything you touch, when you especially when you're around somebody who is sick, mm-hmm. like she she helped produce like big posters and essentially like some of the first PSAs mm-hmm. that this is how disease is spread 
don't do it because you're gross. Like, (laughs) it doesn't matter who you are or what color you are or where you're from. We need to take care of this as a whole. Yeah. Wash your hands. Wash your damn dirty hands. Wash, Wash your hands. Cover your sneeze. Vaccinate your kids. Vaccinate your kids. That's, I don't know if she said that. Can we put an but... exclamation point on that? Yeah. Measles was gone for a long time. <laughs> Just like to put that out there. You're putting other people at risk. Inappropriate. Okay. Off my soapbox. So after many years of campaigning, the Walt Hill Hospital. So, cut this up. Soap. <laughs> Soap. <laughs> Soapbox. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't let it keep, go. No, keep it in. <laughs> keep it in. <laughs> ah, we love a good pun. <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh, the Walt Hill Hospital. The Walt Hill Hospital was completed in 1913, and it was the first hospital built on the reservation. And it was later renamed in her honor. Like I said, Susan suffered from chronic illness for most of her life. And as she entered her late 40s, her health began to decline. At the age of 50, she was only 50, she died on September 18th, 1915. So her legacy includes the Dr. Susan LaFleche Picotti Memorial Hospital in Omaha. Mm -hmm. It's now um, a community center slash like museum. Mm -hmm. It was declared a National Historic Landmark in 1993. And they're currently trying to raise a bunch of money to restore it, which I thought was really lovely. Yeah. We should post a link. We should. Oh, we will. Absolutely. There's an elementary school in Omaha named after her. On June 17th of 2017, which would have been her 152nd birthday, uh, Google honored her with a Google Doodle, which we will also post because it's cute. Okay. And then um, in 2018, a bust of her was dedicated at the Martin Luther King Jr. Transportation Center in Sioux City, Iowa. Hmm. Which I went and looked because there's Sioux City, Nebraska and Sioux City, Iowa. And I was like, shit, now I gotta figure out what state this is in. <laughs> Which Sioux City? Which Sioux City? So I got all my sources, just real quick. I got all my sources, uh, my information from Wikipedia her page on the on biography.com mm-hmm. and then Smithsonian magazine article by Carson Vaughn and I forgot to write down the title but yeah so that's that was great thank you that was really good we talked about a lot of important things in that yeah. in that I had n- I had no idea about her specifically Mm-mm. it's fascinating and I think she's a hell of a woman mm-hmm. and she worked really really hard for something that she believed in. And fought for so hard, wholeheartedly. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. Not only, I, I made sure to write this down and actually research it. She was not only the first woman, she was the first Native American, period. Yeah. Man or woman. Then I just think that's really incredible that she was like, this is, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know. Yeah. I'm going to take care of these people that I care so much about. Oh. So, yeah. That was, that was lengthy. <laughs> Clammy hand clap. clap. Clammy hand clap. She's got sticky paws. <laughs> Damn dirty sticky paws. Can you hear my bra squeak every once in a while? Okay. It just it happens every once in a while. That underwire, man. 
Oh, there I did it. <laughs> okay, not <laughs> Keep all that in. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're recording. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. Who are you doing? Tell me, tell me. Well, one fictional character. Okay. But then I kind of talk about the actress who plays her, uh-huh. and then also the other actress that plays her. Oh, okay. Twice. Twice. Okay. Two, two different actresses. Lay it on me. I'm excited. Lieutenant Uhura. I don't know who that is. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Do I? Okay. From Star Trek. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't know her by name. Know her. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, she's great. Oh, she's yes. real sassy. Yes. Okay. Because I've, I've been wanting to do a fictional character, mm-hmm. and I didn't know who to do. Okay. And then I remembered, I had learned about her my freshman year of college when I was still a communications major mm-hmm. because of the impact that she had <gasps> oh, on the this is television. exciting. Okay. So first, I'm going to name my sources. I watched a lot of interviews with Nichelle Nichols, mm-hmm. the woman who originally played her, and the Archive of American Television Interviews. Wikipedia was helpful. Star Trek.com, the Star Trek Wiki, a book called Integrating Women into the Astronaut Corps Politics and Logistics at NASA, an article called The Endurance of Lieutenant Uhura Means We're Changing for the Better by Emily Asher Perrin, and then an honorary sources. How to Black, an analysis of black cartoon characters by Tunerific Tariq on YouTube. Oh. Which I highly recommend. Lieutenant Uhura is not mentioned specifically in that, Mm -hmm. but it talks about, like, representation and why characters like Lieutenant Uhura are so significant. Okay. In that they're a black character written by a white creator, but not talking about the black experience. So okay. it's just sort of, it normalizes the presence of them mm-hmm. because there's not one narrative of Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's exciting. It's, oh, a, it's, a, it's a very good, like, 20-minute video mm-hmm. that just discusses specifically cartoons. Okay. And we'll put that link yeah. somewhere. Yeah. We'll put it on the things. Okay. Okay. So now I shall begin. Originally played by the actress Nichelle Nichols, Lieutenant O'Hara is a character from Star Trek. I do not know how to pronounce... Her first name. I believe it's Natoya. Okay. But when I was like, oh, I'm just going to find a video where they say it. They've only said it once. Oh. (laughs) Which I'll get into uh, later. She was in Star Trek, the original series, which aired from 1966 to 1969. And in 2019, her character was portrayed by Zoe Zaldana in the most recent reboot of the Star Trek movie franchise, which is maybe canceled? There's supposed to be a fourth one. Oh. But it's been indefinitely canceled as of January. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So she's, she, Nichelle Nichols was like in the one with. The OG. With Captain, William Shatner as mm-hmm. Captain Kirk. Yep. And then she was, her character was portrayed mm-hmm. by Zoe Saldana. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Same page. <laughs> <laughs> This is going to get real nerdy up in here, guys. <laughs> I, when I was telling you about being sidetracked by my yeah, research, yeah. it was 100% because I just started, like, in-depth Star Trek. What is this? What's this universe? What's canon? Who's this? His name is Da Forest? Like, <laughs> it just became a whole thing, which I'll probably get into a little later, because now I have really strong opinions on a show that I only <laughs> casually watched. That's hysterical. I have 
I've watched old episodes of it. Mm-hmm. I don't really know anything about it, except for Danny tells me all the time that I I do William Shatner pauses <laughs> <laughs> when I'm trying to tell her something. <laughs> the Shatner comma is utilized Shatner a lot. Comma. Oh my god. Bless. <laughs> Uh, anyway, continue. Okay. So her existence in pop culture is both criticized and praised, but nonetheless, it's one of great significance. So the creator of Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry, Roddenberry, almost named her Lieutenant Sulu. Oh, okay. But changed it after consulting with another writer because Sulu is too close to Zulu. Oh, Zulu um, Nation. Yeah. And it may be, it. it's not what they wanted for that character. Yeah. So... Sulu is still in Star Trek, but that's yeah. George Takai's character. Yes. Who we love. We love George Takai. And so her name was kind of didn't... Her character didn't have a name for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was Lieutenant Blank. Okay. Um, and the name came from after consulting with uh, Nichelle Nichols. Mm-hmm. Because she had... Nichelle Nichols, at the audition, brought a book called Uhuru. And it's a Swahili word for freedom. Ooh. And... Gene Roddenberry was like, I, I like it, but it's a little too harsh for a feminine character. And it was Nichelle Nichols who was like, why don't we just soften it with an A at the end? With Uhura. Uh-huh. So Nichelle Nichols did come up with her own character's name. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah. And also, I love that it's like just a slightly altered Swahili mm-hmm. word. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Oh, I am on board. In the original series, she did not have a first name. Okay. Because remember, I said it was only said once. Yeah. So, f- from 1969 until 2009, mm-hmm. they didn't really... Her name wasn't canon. So, oh, yeah. it was either Penda, Samara, or Natoya. Oh, okay. It was in 2009, when Zoe Zaldana played her, that her name was officially said on screen. Oh, okay. That's... That's wild that sh- this character l- essentially lived for 40 years. Yeah. Without a first name. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Is this, that that was wild to me. And it's she, only said once in the in the Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. And I tried to find the clip of him saying it. Uh-huh. It was Spock who said it cuz okay. it was when their relationship was revealed. Oh yes, yes. And so he was like Natoya. Ooh. But that's it. And then when I, like, looked up the video, it was just a bunch of, like, fan-made, like, compilations of, like, them making eyes at each other and, like, music playing underneath. Oh, gosh. Real good stuff. Spock making sexy eyes at his Natoya. I don't know where he is, but when I was at school, I sculpted a tiny, like, shrunken head in the, like, he has, he, he looks like Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. And then when I punched hair into him, he's just got this big wild hair because I never styled it. Oh I'll God. find it and take a picture of it. I have to. It see is it. my pride and joy. I'm so proud of it. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. More about the character. She was born January 19th, 2239. <laughs> Which I felt silly writing. Naturally. <laughs> In uh, the United States of Africa, Earth to her mother, Umbuha. Uh, her father's not listed anywhere that I could find. Perhaps he's I mean somewhere? in twenty in twenty two thirty nine, whenever she was born, mm-hmm. maybe she doesn't need a father. Maybe, maybe we've 
moved past needing sperm for babies. Maybe. Maybe they just didn't write it in like they didn't write in her first name. That also <laughs> is an option. For... You know what? I'm just trying to be colorful. <laughs> um, in the show, Uhura was proud of her African heritage and decorated her living quarters with zebra skin, uh, with a zebra skin bread spe- bed spread, <laughs> some African sculptures and masks, and wall panels containing African images. She was also known well among her fellow Enterprise colleagues for entertaining them by singing. Because she was a singer. Oh. And she's most popular for her song, for renditions on the songs, Beyond Enteras and Oh on the Starship Enterprise. Which is just fun. we are delving deep. Yeah. And Nichelle Nichols is from a musical theater background. So it made sense Uh, that she would come in and Way to bring in, like, all of her... All of her skills. Mm-hmm. Jean, I, I think the creator and her briefly had a relationship, mm-hmm. like, be- before Star Trek was ever on the table. Uh-huh. And so, like, he knew her and trusted her and her talents and her capabilities, and I think some of the stuff was written in for her specifically. Lovely. Fantastic. I love when that happens. Um, she was an important part of the original series' multicultural crew. And it was one of the first black actors to be featured in a non-menial role on American television. So prior to this, they were all, like, housekeepers, mm-hmm. um, butlers. Exactly. Not not any kind of important or forefront yeah. character. Certainly yeah. not a lead, you know, just, just kind of there. Yeah. Specifically, she was a communications officer that specialized in linguistics, cryptography, and philogy. Philogy. It's not philosophy. It looks like philosophy, but there's no S. Philogly. <laughs> philogly. Uh, and in the Star Trek animated series, uh, she actually commanded the USS Enterprise for one episode. So she, she's been, she moves around in terms of importance. Uh-huh. But she never falls below. She's never not important. Yeah. I guess I should say. Good for her. Whoopi Goldberg credits her desire to become an actor with the appearance of Uhura. Wow. Recalling after seeing her, she ran through the house shouting, I just saw a black lady on television and she ain't no maid. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I'm going to get into She's. We're going to get into it. Beloved. She's beloved. Ugh. Representation matters yes. and like star trek when when i had learned about it in class it was because not just lieutenant uhura but like there was an there was an asian man on the ship mm-hmm. who had a role there was uh, other women who had roles on the ship exactly there was a russian there was a scottish man there like mm-hmm. for the first time all of these people were brought together and none was okay. they weren't singled out because they're black or because they're a woman or because they're insert whatever here yeah they were a team that worked together and and they were they were just people Mm -hmm. they weren't they weren't whatever they were talented smart people exactly they weren't fucking space and beep boop bopping (laughs) computers that i don't know actually there was a whole article about the technology that star trek had inspired Uh uh-huh which includes like i forget his name steve nodzaziak Wozniak? <laughs> Steve Wozniak? <laughs> Steve Wozniak credits Star Trek with inspiring him to get into technology production. So this 
Star Trek in all of its in all of its ridiculousness. Like yeah. when I think about the episodes that I've seen, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh boy, yeah, <laughs> this is a thing. But to to know that it inspired so so many people mm-hmm. to follow a specific career path, or it inspired act technology that we would be nowhere without today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is bananas. Yeah. Bonkers. Bonkers. And this that's is why the coolest. <laughs> I became so passionate about it. And now if anybody talks shit on Star Trek, I will fight you on top of a hill. <laughs> on an alien planet. I'll set my phaser to kill. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> we are blowing past stun. <laughs> Ain't nobody's gonna be stunned. They're gonna be decimated. <laughs> okay. So, even though she was, is often considered this, like, great representational figure, some criticize her role as a communications officer as just being a glorified secretary and not actually advancing the women's movements. Because at the time, the jobs that women were allowed to have were, like, teachers. Mm-hmm. secretaries mm-hmm. all that jazz but she's but it's like black women mm-hmm. weren't allowed to have that and weren't being represented as such mm-hmm. so i don't really like that argument because to see women as like a monolith advancing all at once is just blatantly untrue yeah so it was i do personally think it's it was a huge step to allow a black woman to be seen this way yes yeah like if you want to if you want to get to the nitty-gritty of it i i under i absolutely understand both sides of the argument but mm-hmm. it's definitely like but this is important specifically mm-hmm. for black women and um also Nichelle Nich- Nichols herself kind of defended her role as the communications officer as not being just a glorified secretary um explaining that it was one of the most important roles on the ship. Uh, when she spoke, everybody on the ship would turn around and mm-hmm. look at her because what she had to say was important. And Absolutely. she commanded that attention. And in 2009, uh, in the 2009 movies, uh-huh. they upped the explanation of what her job is and the difficulty of it. Uh-huh. So it wasn't as, like, up to interpretation of what she did. Gotcha. Which I thought was a very good movie. I'm going to need to go and watch all of these things now. You gotta. I gotta. We're the biggest fans of Star Trek now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think there are a whole lot of people out there who would disagree. (laughs) Well, I'm gonna kill him. (laughs) With my phaser. (laughs) Phaser. (laughs) The nerds are coming out of the woodwork. They're gonna be like, um, I don't know if you know this, but... Mm, phasers. <laughs> and then I'm going to be like, I once had a podcast episode where I talked about it, and now I'm I'm, I'm a bigger fan. Boom. Boom. That's how it's done. We're going to have them shook and stunned. <laughs> and what was the word you used? Decimated. <laughs> <laughs> this is all said in jest. I will not kill anybody. Yes. We are, <laughs> we, we are pacifists. <laughs> we I wouldn't do go not that far. Can, we, well, Kian is not... <laughs> We do not condone violence. Mm-mm. Star Trek's, in, you know, in, inspired or otherwise. 
Yeah. Did I say Star Trek or Star Wars? You said Star Trek. Okay, good. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> They're coming for me. <laughs> so, Nichelle Nichols almost left her role as Lieutenant Nohara after the first season. Because uh, she didn't really... She wasn't given a bunch of material to work with at the time. Mm-hmm. And so she gave her letter of, of resignation to Jean. And he was like, you know what? Just think about it over the weekend. Don't make such a harsh stance, uh, harsh decision yeah. right now. Um, and then over the weekend, she was at like a gala, mm-hmm. which she she thinks it's an NAACP event, mm-hmm. but she's not sure because it was way back when. Yeah, like, yeah. You can't expect her to remember that. And she was told that a fan wanted to meet her while she was there. And she's like, okay, fine. Whatever. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk to the people. <laughs> And uh, the fan was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. <gasps> oh, wow. Who was a hardcore. Uh, he was a Trekkie? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Danny's got goosebumps. <laughs> Him. Um, and he had told her, like, oh, this is the only show that me and my wife, Coretta, who mm-hmm. we should do an episode on, this is the only show that we let our kids stay up to watch past their bedtime. Oh. We love it as a family. Mm-hmm. And we think you specifically are great. And she's like, oh, thank you for telling me that. But, you know, I just put in my letter of resignation. Mm-hmm. And he essentially was like, no. <laughs> you <laughs> can't do that? <laughs> yeah. And was basically trying to convince her to stay on the show and said, and I quote, For the first time on television, we will be seen as we should be seen every day. As intelligent, quality, beautiful people who can sing and dance, yes, but who can go into space, who can be lawyers and teachers, who can be professors, who are in this day, yet you don't see it on television until now. Ugh. I have goosebumps. (laughs) That's so... Wow. Yeah. I highly recommend you watch the Archive of American Television interviews with her, because mm-hmm. Nichelle Nichols is captivating. <sighs> but in explaining the story, mm-hmm. she was like, yeah, after he said that, I was pissed. Because, like, why did why do I have to be that? Yeah. Why that kind of pressure on me? That's, that, that's like, you, you're carrying this mantle. Yeah. And she's like, I'm, I just took a job, and I want, she had put in her resignation because she was going to go back to her musical roots Mm -hmm. on Broadway or an off-Broadway production. And Mm. so she was like, this is dumb. I hate this. Why do I have to be, have this pressure on Uh me? But then she decided to stay. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. Can we just take a moment to like, let that sink in? She's like, "Mm, yeah, I'll meet this fan. And it turns out to be Martin Luther King Jr. telling her how important she is. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I can't even, like, wrap my brain around that. Yeah. She was, ex- like, extremely significant because she was the first non-menial role mm-hmm. for a black person. Full stop. I had no idea. Yeah. President Obama used to have a crush on her. <laughs> she's... I, I would just like to point this out. She's been to Comic-Con so many times. And really? I, I, yeah. And I... I never knew any of this about her and now i'm like she's incredible Mm -hmm. she becomes even more oh my gosh okay please continue so moving on from the representation bit it is widely believed that her character captain kirk (laughs) (laughs) i skipped an and this just in (laughs) it is widely believed that her character and Captain Kirk <laughs> had the first interracial kiss on television. 
Uh, that's not true. Oh. There was a few that predated this one. Okay. But this was perhaps the first mainstream one and the most popular. Okay. Um, that had occurred at the time. Ooh, that is... And it might be the first interracial kiss to happen on British television. I read that somewhere, mm-hmm. but then I also read that it was the episode was banned for the the torture in oh, quotation marks uh-huh. that was portrayed on it, on the show. Okay, yeah. So don't know about that. It definitely was not the first one in the U.S. Though. Okay, it almost didn't happen mm-hmm. because after it was it was written in mm-hmm. the script, and they did one take of it, and the director was like Bill William Shatner. Yeah, <laughs> he's like. Bill, you, you can't kiss her. <laughs> like, that's not allowed. Uh-huh. And it, if there was, like, this big, not, like, a big argument, but, like, in hushed tones of, uh-huh. like, you can't kiss her. Do you know she's, did you know? <laughs> she's black. <laughs> we can't, we can't show this on TV. And William Shatner went, I need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> to prove that this is meant to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean... He he did have okay. Let me let me continue. Okay, um, so he had objections to it, and it was decided with Gene. I almost called him Bill <laughs> William Shatner, and the director David Alexander, which I didn't know if I already said, but they had decided. Okay, we'll film scenes with them kissing and scenes without them kissing. Mm-hmm. That was the agreement. Okay, got a plan um, B. Yes. So there was about seven scenes recorded. Of them kissing. Mm-hmm. And only one of them not kissing because William Shatner had specifically stalled in between takes to only get kissing scenes. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, he was like, should I resist more? Because it was, they were telekinetically being manipulated to uh-huh, do it uh-huh. in play. Yes. And he was like, should I like resist it more? And, and I'm just going to talk the rest of this episode the way William Shatner talks. Um, but he was, and can you imagine him also talking like that? It's the most time. irritating thing in the world. Um, so they had filmed seven scenes and they were running out of time to film within the day because mm-hmm. people needed to leave and go home. And I think it was like almost midnight. And the director was like, okay, listen, you kissed her enough. We got to get, <laughs> we got to get scenes of you not kissing her. And of the one that was filmed, William Shatner specifically looked up into the camera and went cross-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, God damn it, Bill. <laughs> Well, he did, the director didn't know because he wasn't behind the camera. Oh, gosh. And so later when there was like a, a screening of mm-hmm. it for like editing purposes or whatever, it shows him <laughs> looking up and going cross-eyed in the camera. And Nichelle, Nichelle Nichols explains that the director just like put his, he- like his head in his hands and like grabbed his hair and was like, oh, no. <laughs> so they obviously had to use. They had to. They had to use the kissing scene they, or cut the scene completely. They forced their hand. Yeah. To... I love that. <laughs> like, oh, I know how to make this work. Right. Don't, don't, I'm on this. Let's just keep kissing. <laughs> and they expected a lot of, like, anger from showcasing a white man and mm-hmm. a black woman kissing in the 60s. Um, but they didn't end up hearing a lot of negative feedback from it. There's Beautiful. a lot of positive ones. And Nichelle Nichols talks about one letter specifically from a white southerner. 
that was uh, negative, and mm-hmm. I'm going to read you the excerpt because okay. it's actually kind of funny. Okay. <clears throat> I am totally opposed to the mixing of races. However, any time a red-blooded American boy like Captain Kirk gets a beautiful dame in his arms that looks like Uhura, he ain't gonna fight it. <laughs> so, it's like, yeah, I'm a racist, but also... Brown chicka brown wow. <laughs> ain't nobody gonna turn that down. Nichelle Nichols is beautiful. She's gorgeous, yeah. Uhura is beautiful. Oh my gosh. Zoe Zaldana is beautiful. What a good letter. (laughs) (laughs) Also terrible, but pretty good. Yeah. This is sort of, I guess I'd labeled this Lieutenant Uhura, but this is sort of more Nichelle Nichols because I think she's great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Um, So in 1969, after three seasons, the show was canceled. But Nichelle Nichols was recruited by NASA's space program to recruit future astronauts. Wow. So, her recruits included Dr. Sally Ride, the first American female astronaut, <sighs> Colonel uh, Bluford, the first African-American astronaut, and Mae Jemison, the first black female American astronaut. Oh my gosh. Knocking them <laughs> down one after another. That's so... Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah. So, in this, like, beautiful full circle moment, the first black woman portrayed in space on television had... A hand in sending the first black woman actually into space and the first black man actually into space and the first woman actually into space that's the coolest what that's a hell of a legacy right i can't believe i have lived 31 years on on this planet and don't know anything about her i'm blown away i have the biggest shitty grin on my face right now <laughs> because i can't deal with how just how incredible she is yeah god i need a new vocabulary what i'm saying <laughs> we need to have a poster hanging on the wall oh my gosh like, yes amazing synonyms because <laughs> i say incredible like spectacular spectacular phenomenal fabulous out of this world groundbreaking brilliant oh, thank you peanut gallery <laughs> <laughs> so her nicole nichols <laughs> Nichols' last appearance as Uhura would be in 1991, so even though the original series ended in 1969, she would voice two seasons of the animated series mm-hmm. as Lieutenant Uhura, and then in six Star Trek films following. Okay. And then from 1991 to 2009, nobody really played her, and then in 2009, in the reboot series, Uhura would come back, now played by Zoe Zaldana. Nice. Yes. Who Zoe Zaldana plays is in every sci-fi movie. Ever, yeah. Yeah, and she usually has body paint on. Star Trek <laughs> was the first time she didn't have to be uh, green, green or blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways. <laughs> in the new stu- storyline, uh, Uhura is a student, so you go back in time to pre-spaceship oh, that's right. times. And a recent graduate from... I don't... I didn't put where from. <laughs> <laughs> what a She's a recent moment. graduate. Full stop. From the Academy. Oh, oh! Yeah. We'll just say the Academy with a capital A. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Do you know? Okay. <laughs> um, Annie. Yeah, I would just like to remind everybody that I'm the biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this after graduating is when she was assigned as a communications officer onto um, 
it, not the USS Enterprise because Spock, because Spock and her had a relationship, mm-hmm. and he was like, "I'm not gonna assign you on the same ship as me because that's favoritism." And Uhura was like, "Excuse you, if we weren't <laughs> together, I would be on that ship because I'm the fucking smartest one here." That's right. And he was like, "Okay, no, you're right." And so she then got transferred onto the USS Enterprise. All right. Yes. Which in the ship, far far got. I forgot, but I think it's forgot. <laughs> that was bad. Um, but that ship later in the movie uh, it explodes. Oh. So if she would have died had she been on that. But she mm-hmm. was on the USS Enterprise. It's fate. Uh, she quickly receives a field promotion due to her skill with the Romulan language and remains on the bridge for most of the film. This portrayal of Uhura has the hots for teacher. And... <laughs> It is revealed that her and Spock are dating. And there's also a comic book series that sort of details more of their relationship while mm. she was still a student. Um, some saw this move as unnecessary and random and misguided because clearly the romantic couple that should have been in the movie were Spock and Kirk. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Which, let's be honest, Jim... <laughs> I was, this is, this is one of the things that I all of a sudden became very passionate about Mm -hmm. because I was reading the slash fiction page of Kirk Spock on Wikipedia. Okay. Which is considered the first like slash fiction. Um, And it was like, Kirk taught Spock how to feel for the first time. He held his hand while he was hurt in the infirmary and like all this stuff. And I was like, wait a minute, there are no gay people in Star Trek. There are no gay characters. How is it? Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Soapbox time. We're that far into the future, and there are no gay people in space? We're visiting all these alien planets, and gender's a thing on all of them? Gender's a thing, but not sexuality. Right. And, like, Kirk has been criticized Mm -hmm. for being a misogynist, but now imagine him equally objectifying everybody. He's bisexual. (laughs) Going to planets and flirting with all the boys, too. <laughs> Got a phaser in your pocket? Are you excited to see me? <laughs> I want him to go up to boys and be like, curtain match the drapes? I just want him to be an asshole and objectify everybody because that's what needs to happen. Exactly. We believe in equality. Exactly. And then Spock should be pansexual because feelings are only logical. And he should be able to have feelings for whoever he wants and not just a human lady Uhura. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> I'm here and I'm talking about it. Star Trek make Kirk and Spock gay, please. You know what? If Dumbledore can be gay, mm-hmm. Captain Kirk can be gay. Yeah, or, or bisexual, bisexual. Or anywhere on the spectrum of the LGBTQ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Absolutely. I mean, two out of three of us in this room are. Yeah. We're not on a spaceship. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, I just became very impassioned because it's like, of progressive things in the 60s or like Mm -hmm. older times, Mm -hmm. they kind of halted as society caught up with them. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, no, just keep on, keep on being progressive. Absolutely. It's one of the reasons why like RuPaul is in some hot water now because they have stopped 
being as progressive as they used to be mm-hmm. and have said some very shitty things. About Abs- absolutely. <laughs> like we can't we can't rest on our laurels and just be like, "Well, we've made it this far, now we don't have to go any further." It's like, "No, you need to continue to listen mm-hmm. and you need to continue to progress and make the changes that need to be made." Yeah. Just yeah. continue to be uh respectful. Respectful. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Hey, not 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 that hard. Um Okay, yeah, but Uhura and Spock are together. <laughs> <laughs> to wrap it up. <laughs> to wrap it up, it's not, it wasn't random because there were hints at a relationship in the, the original series, mm-hmm. but could not be fully realized because the 1960s, black women and white men could not be portrayed as an interracial couple on television at the time. That's right. So to see them in a relationship is sort of a, like, look at how far society's moved forward. Now they can finally be together. And uh, Nichelle Nichols, like, supports that idea. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's what Jean would have wanted to see that relationship progress. All that jazz. Beautiful. Their relationship carries out through, uh, carries throughout Into Darkness, which is the second movie. Okay. Um, briefly ends in Beyond, which is the third movie. Okay. Uh, which, it was am- amicable. Which, oh, okay. Which is when I say, spot go to Kirk. But <laughs> get it. it. <laughs> but it later re- their relationship later resumes in the uh in at the end of Beyond, and perhaps into the fourth one if it's still if it's a ever thing. made. Okay, yeah, that's Lieutenant Ohura may not be a flawless example of a liberated female, but she has withstood decades of criticism and analysis and has come out as a key figure in the history of television and the science fiction genre. Perfect. That was so good. Yay. Um, can I tell you another tangent that I went on? Tangent. That had nothing to do with this, but I knew you would find it interesting. Lovely. Because of our interest in true crime. Yes. Nichelle Nichols' brother died in the Heaven's Gate mass suicide. (gasps) Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That kind of had to do with space. It did have, yeah. Yeah, it did have, it specifically had to do with Specifically, space. yeah. Like, but I just. That's, they were, they, yeah, because they, they thought were they were going, going on Haley Bop. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was a wild little, I, it, like, <laughs> yeah. I literally paused reading, was like, what? And what? then got into Heaven's Gate stuff for no reason other oh, than pure boy. entertainment. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> the, uh, the yeah. internet is yeah. a dangerous scary place sometimes right where you're like oh this i should look into this more and then yeah before you know it you're just you're like how did i get nine websites like pages mm-hmm. away from what i was trying to look at yeah that happened i learned all about the cuban missile crisis when, <laughs> when i talked about anna mandietta i was like you know i know what this is mm-hmm. but i don't know what this is yeah and then i was i told you know oh look what i know now <laughs> I, it's it's wild. It took a lot of self discipline to uh, finish Ohura because I went on I went on the Spock Kirk tangent mm-hmm. and was like, wait a minute, this shows that Broad's got Moxie, not that Bro's got Moxie. That's I right. Gotta stop. That's right. And then got back on Nichelle Nichols' Wikipedia page and was like, her brother was in Heaven's Gate, <laughs> <laughs> and then got on that distraction after distraction. And then I was like, wait a minute, this is. That broad's got moxie, not my favorite murder. Get back on exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. Just stay. It's real hard to stay on. And on then I watched a few episodes point. of Star Trek because I was like, I, I have to know the character. But I just wanted to watch TV. 
<laughs> Solid. When I was doing mine, I was watching Forensic Files and mm-hmm. found myself like, oh, this is a real interesting case. And But then I would like type a name mm-hmm. into into the thing. And I was like, nope, that's, <laughs> that's the murderer's name. Back, 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 back. Susan. <laughs> <sighs> well, that was great. We learned a lot today. I feel I like I learned so much today. We definitely, I feel like we talked about a very important heavy thing with your case. Mm-hmm. Case. With your example. <laughs> yeah. With your story. With my story. <laughs> with your bronze with Max. Right. And mine. It's a little lighter. But so important in terms of representation. Absolutely. Representation matters. I'm stopping saying absolutely. If I say it again, I just, somebody smack me, please. Absolutely. I, <laughs> I, I for real, am going to make some posters to hang up here for, like, <laughs> my <laughs> visual cues. I'm going to hang them up behind Kiana and behind Danny so I can be like, all right, adjective, adjective, adjective. <laughs> not great. It's not going to work. Um, um. Fantastic. That's a good one. Check. <laughs> uh, I just need one that says, Kiana, stop making noises with your mouth. <laughs> stop, stop gulping. Stop your squeaky bra. <laughs> stop drinking. Stop gulping down. Uh, all of it. Don't eat gummy bears, Kiana. Don't eat gummy bears. <laughs> Swedish fish are inappropriate to eat while I'm talking. Anywho. Anywho. Um, <laughs> we just don't want it to end. We're having so much fun. We are having so much fun. Okay. So follow us on Facebook and Instagram at that Broad's Got Moxie and on Twitter at Broad's Got Moxie. Just, just Broad. Just Broad's Got Moxie. Yes. <laughs> um, and if you have, if you've got suggestions or forbid corrections, <laughs> we do want to know if, if we're giving incorrect information mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you've got questions for us. Or additions. Or additions. If you're like, hey, this lady's oh. really cool and I know this about her. Also, yeah. Yeah. Or you left this out and that was really important. You should have, you know, you should have said this part of their story. Mm-hmm. Please get in touch with us. You can email us at thatbroadsgotmoxie at gmail.com. And also, please, please, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Yes. We want we want everybody to be able to listen to this. And so, the more you guys, if if you like us, mm-hmm. if you follow us, we're, we're on top of it. And we're trying to tell these stories to everyone. Yeah. Because they're important. We're working on a sign-off. We're trying. <laughs> We decided stay moxie doesn't work. Stay moxie just feels. <sighs> okay, bye. Do the moxie mamba. <laughs> moxie number five. Damn that brought got moxie. <laughs> I was adding on to your song. What? I couldn't think of another. I M-word. can't think of. I was like, we want an alliteration because that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. And then. <laughs> Maintain your moxie. Yeah. That, no, I don't like that. That sounds like we're I a like bunch of cars. Maintain your moxie. <laughs> Whatever. We'll figure it out. Okay, Are bye. Are you still recording? <laughs>